Hi, my name is Mark Riggins, and I'm pastor here at LifePoint, located in Plano, Texas, and we meet here every Sunday at 1030, and we are here for your family. I hope today's message is an encouragement to you. I heard that music earlier this morning, and they, they challenged me to dance out onto the stage, and I don't know how to dance, and so I didn't do that, so you're welcome for me not dancing this morning, but good morning. I'm, I'm thrilled that you're here. It would be very awkward for me to be here and you not to be here, um, but I, I want you to understand that this is a safe place. I am grateful today for those of you that walked into these doors and you don't have a relationship with Jesus because this series is a great series for you. And I'm grateful for those of you who maybe have served Jesus for years and years or you've been coming to church for years and years because again, this series is perfect for you as well. Now we have a memory verse and I just want you to know that you need to work really hard on your memory verse because we only have three weeks to do it and last week was one. So you only have today and the next week to do it. So I'm gonna ask you if you would stand this morning as we go through our memory verse together. It's found in John chapter 20. It says this, read it with me. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John 20, 31. Thank you, you may be seated this morning. Now, before I get started, um, I, I, I want to make sure we understand the difference between a recommendation and a requirement. Okay? Everybody understand that? A recommendation and a requirement. Just a few weeks ago, uh, I'm going to tell you a little personal story. Um, I, I was having some discomfort in my chest. And so this had gone on for two or three days. And along with that, I was having some numbness in my arms and in my bottom lip. And so um, because of family history, uh, one night I'm sitting with my wife and I said, Shannon, I don't want you to freak out, right? Because that's what wives are good at. And I said, but this is what's going on in my world. And so I tell her and she said, well, do you think we ought to get it checked out? And again, because of history, I said, maybe we should. And so we went to the ER that night and they ran tests and everything looked good, except the blood work the first time they took it was perfect, the next time not so perfect, and then the next time it was perfect again. And so the doctor told me, he said, now, um, I'm gonna let you go home because I don't think there's any danger uh, tonight, uh, but be sure and make an appointment with a cardiologist. So I did, uh, I found a cardiologist, I made an appointment, I went and talked to him and went through all the stuff and he said, okay, we're gonna schedule you for some tests as, as soon as possible, schedule you for some tests. But in the meantime, I would recommend two things. I would recommend you not exercise. Can I get an amen? I was like, I like this doctor already. He's like, he, he said, I, I wanna make sure you're okay to exercise. And then I would recommend you go ahead and changing your diet, eating healthier. I'm like, cool, I can do that. So I did that. The next week, let's fast forward. I have some tests to be run. Now, they must have fit me in at lunch because that's when my test was scheduled at noon. And so I couldn't eat or drink, right? And so I didn't eat since the night before and I didn't get my coffee. So you can take my food away, but when you take my coffee away, I get a little grumpy. And so I'm a little grumpy going to my test and it's right at noon. And so I get on the treadmill and I do all those things. And when I get off, when the nurses leave the room, they, they say, hey, there's a doctor here and he's gonna read your results and tell you the results of your test today before you leave. And I'm like, sweet, I like that. 
don't have to wait. And so um, they leave the room and eventually a doctor comes in and he says, Mr. Denson, everything looks great. You're free to go. That's all he said. I said, so everything, like all the tests, everything, he said, everything looks great. Okay, now remember, now it's one o'clock. I haven't eaten since the night before. I haven't drank anything except water. I have a meeting at 1.30 that I need to be at. So I'm hungry and the words of my cardiologist ring clear in my mind. He says these things. I recommend that you not exercise. I'm like, good, haven't been doing that. And then he says, I recommend that you eat healthy. So what do you think I did at one o'clock on that Wednesday afternoon? Double bacon cheeseburger is what I did. I, I literally went to a fast food restaurant through the drive-thru, got a double bacon cheeseburger, scarfed it down and went to my meeting. Why? He didn't tell me I had to eat healthy. He just said, I recommend you eat healthy. So here's the deal. There are a lot of recommendations that I could give you today to advance your faith, but I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna give you a requirement, something that is required if you want to advance your faith. So here's the question that we're gonna answer today. What is required to advance our faith? What is required to advance our faith? Now, last week we said that belief is one of those requirements. Okay, that's step one. And we said this, beholding leads to belief. Right, when we behold, it eventually leads to belief. When, when we seek, we find. When we focus, we see. When we behold, we believe. And I believe many of us today have what, is, what would be called a genuine faith. We have a genuine faith. We believe, but is it a strong faith? What is gonna come into our lives that will take it off track. So today we're going to look at a story in John chapter 6. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, you can turn there. If you would like to read a Bible and you don't have one, there's some in the rows uh, that you have. And of course, I'll put some of the verses on the screen today. But this is a three-part story that we're going to walk through today. Now, 70 verses. I will not read all 70, but we will go through almost all of them. It's a three-part story. But in this story, I want you to understand that there's two groups of people. So I want you to watch and look for these two groups of people. One group of people is the 12. And when I say the 12, these are the 12 disciples that stay with Jesus, that do life with Jesus. They're with him all the time, the 12. Then there's another group of people that I'm just gonna call the crowd. Now, the crowd is, is, a, is a larger group of people and I believe many of them believed because they call in, in our story, they're called disciples. Many of them, they're Christ followers. So they believe in Jesus, but there's a stark difference in the way they behave and what happens to them between the 12 and the crowd. So through this, be watching for that. Now there's three parts to the story. The first part to the story is when Jesus takes a number 14 from McDonald's and feeds several thousand people. Does anybody know what a number 14 at McDonald's is? Filet-O-Fish. How many of you have actually eaten one of those? Okay, okay, how many of you actually like them? Okay, I'm impressed. Something you need to know, if you take our lead pastor, Mark, to McDonald's, more than likely he's gonna order a number 14. Now I had to dig deep because most McDonald's don't even have a number 14 anymore. You have to dig deep to find the filet of fish But Jesus takes the filet of fish and feeds several thousand. In the second part of our story, Jesus walks on water. 
So there's two incredible miracles in the first part, parts one and parts two. Now, part three is where Jesus challenges not only the 12, but the crowd, the whole group of people that's gathered there with an incredibly difficult teaching. And it leads to one of the saddest things that we'll read ever in God's word. So let's dive in. Part one, Jesus uses a number 14 to feed a lot of people. So Jesus and the 12, okay, they are on the beach. They're on the beach by the big lake and they're hanging out together and a crowd of people gather to Jesus. They, they've heard that he does some really cool things, that he does miracles. They've heard that he speaks differently than anybody else they've ever heard. And so they gather on the beach with Jesus and the 12 and Jesus teaches them all day long and it comes time for dinner and they're hungry. And they're like, well, what are we gonna do? And Simon Peter, I love what he does. He finds this boy and this boy has just gone through the drive-thru at McDonald's and he just so happened to order a number 14. And so Simon Peter takes this boy to Jesus and he says, Jesus, this is not enough, but this is what we found. And Jesus says, I want everybody to sit down and he blesses the food. And the 12 get up and they serve the food. And that day, a number 14 fed 5,000 people. So it's this incredible, incredible miracle. Now, I want you to understand and, and, and look for the differences in the two groups, okay? There are um, the crowd, those that came looking to receive something, right? They were seeking Again, a good thing. They were, they were trying to figure Jesus out and trying to figure this whole following Jesus out. And then there were the 12, those that were already with Jesus and they were ready to give something. So one came to get, one came to give. There were those, here it is, those, oh, can we go, there we go. Those there to see, which is a good thing. They came to see Jesus and see what it was all about. There were those there to see, but then there were those that were already there ready to serve. There were those longing for something and those belonging to someone. Now, after um, Jesus feeds this crew, he sends his disciples away, okay? He sends them in the boat. Now, granted, there's only one boat. So Jesus puts his 12 on the boat and sends them away. And he deals with the crowd, gets them settled for the evening, and then he goes away to be by himself. Sometime during the night... Jesus decides he wants to be with his disciples. And so we know there's no boat. And so Jesus does what only Jesus can do. And he just walks on the lake out to his disciples who are on their way to the other side. Now, there's a whole story here where they think he's a ghost and they're, they're afraid and all of these things. But long story short, Jesus eventually gets in the boat and goes with the disciples to the other side. Now, again, there are two crowds here. There are the ones with Jesus in the boat and the crowd that is on the beach without Jesus. Now, in verse 22, if you're in chapter six of John is where we're gonna actually pick up and start reading this morning. Verse 22 says this. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realized that only one boat had been there, right? There was only one boat on the beach and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but they had gone away alone. Next verse. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So no boats, 
One boat takes the disciples. They're like, hey, okay, where did everybody go? Some boats come to where the miracle happens, to where this crowd is. And once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got in the boats and went to Capernaum to ser- in search of Jesus. Now, what they've realized is Jesus is gone. The whole reason we came here was to see this Jesus, hear this Jesus, and experience what he does. And they wake up and they saw where he was resting and they know that the disciples left and they're like, where did Jesus go? And here's where the story gets a little more interesting. Let's jump to verse number 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, so they jumped in the, in the boats that came, they went to the other side of the lake, they see Jesus They ask, Rabbi, when did you get here? Like, they're like, okay, this doesn't make sense, right? We we saw you resting. We saw the boat leave. There's no other boats that have come. And now you're here. So they know something is up. And Jesus answers them, but Jesus doesn't answer their question. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your field. Now I want you to understand that Jesus is, is explaining to them, the reason you're looking for me is not because you're impressed with what I did, right? All of us would be impressed. We're like, wow, right? He's saying, I met your need and that's why you're here. And that plays an important role as we continue on. Do not work for food that spoils. So Jesus is making a turn here. He's making a turn from something physical to something spiritual. He says, do not work for food that spoils, but food that endures to eternal life, which the son of man will give you. Now they're starting to get confused. Watch this. Then they ask him, what must we do to do the works God requires. Now, I want you to understand that from where they are, all of that they know and that they've been taught their entire lives is they have to do certain things at certain times of the year and do it a certain way and point a certain direction and do all of these things in order to do the works of God. And Jesus is about to trump that and change that. And it gets really hard for them to understand. Look, where, look what it says. Jesus answered. So they said, what, what are the works of God that I gotta do? Jesus answers, the work of God is this to believe in the one he has sent. Now we talked about believing last week. It is step one as far as advancing your faith. Step one is to believe. And Jesus is, is messing, he's not messing with them, but it is jacking with their minds because it doesn't make sense to them. And then this is what they ask. This is so crazy to me that they would ask this. They say, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe it? What will you do? Now, I don't know about you, but if less than 24 hours ago, he took a number 14 and fed 5,000 people, I don't know that I would need another sign. And literally the crowd says this, prove it. We're supposed to watch you. We're supposed to follow you. You're supposed to be this, prove it. It doesn't make any sense to me. And look what Jesus says to them in verse 32. Jesus said to them, it is my father who gives you the true bread. I want you to understand Jesus has switched. He is now talking about something spiritual. They are still tying it to the miracle of yesterday when he gave them some bread and and they're still talking or thinking in their minds that it's something physical and they're two very different things and Jesus has already switched and they haven't. He He said, it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life. 
This is what they're after. They're after this to the world. And this is how they respond. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. They want that. They just don't understand what he's talking about. And this is Jesus's response. And this kind of blows everything out of the water. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He says, I am the bread of life. Now, I want you to know for the next about 30 verses, we're gonna skip it. Um, But for the next like 30 verses, there's an argument. And Jesus is trying to convince them of a spiritual bread and they're looking at it through the lens of a physical bread. And so it's an incredibly difficult teaching. They don't understand what's going on. And it leads us to this in verse 60. It says this, on hearing it, this is this argument going over the spiritual bread versus physical bread. Many of his disciples said, disciples, these disciples by definition is a follower of Many of his disciples says, this is, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And you and I understand hard. As a Christ follower, most of the time hard in our lives is when Jesus doesn't meet our expectations. So for instance, we know we're supposed to get this job or we know we're supposed to get this promotion and we don't. Or maybe we do get the promotion or we do get the job. We know it came from God and then we lose it. What if it's a marriage or a child? We, we know we're supposed to have this marriage. We know we're supposed to have children and we don't. God just doesn't meet our expectations anymore. Or maybe we get the marriage or we get the child and then we lose them. We understand hard. We understand when God doesn't meet our expectations. And this crowd is at a crossroads in their life. And I believe this is what they say in their minds and in their hearts. I believe, but he's just not meeting my expectations. This is too hard. And we've all been there. Some of us are there today. And here's verse 66. And this is where it gets really, really sad. From this time, many of his who, his followers, his disciples, those that have been following him, seeking after him, many of his disciples turned back and they no longer followed him. Now, this is important to me. This is not something that just happens back then, right? This is things that happen today. I have two very close friends. One has completely turned their back on Jesus and their faith and the other one's in the process of doing so. And it breaks my heart and I'm promising, I don't wanna be that person. I wanna have strength in my faith and I want you to have strength in your faith. And I'm gonna say something really hard here. Some of you may not agree with me, but stay with me. Here it is right here. Now, can you go back to, if you want to advance? I want them to see this. Here we go. If you want to advance your faith, it is not enough to just believe. If you want to advance your faith, it is not enough to just believe. Now, I am not talking about salvation. I am not talking about your eternal security. If you know Jesus, have a relationship with him, you have an eternal security with him. I'm not talking about when you die. I'm talking about right now as you live. If you want to advance your faith, 
It's just not enough to just believe. Because if your faith has no strength, you are one hard moment away from walking away from your faith. If there's no strength in your walk, if there's no strength in your faith, you're one hard moment from walking away from your faith. When that loved one dies and you don't understand, or again, you lose a child or a marriage or a job or whatever, something comes out of nowhere and slaps you upside the head and you're just like, I don't get this and understand this. That's where many of us find ourselves. Now, verse 67, this is Jesus and I love what he says, but I want you to understand and look and see who he says it to. In verse 67, can you go back to 67? Thank you. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus is challenging them. He's saying, you don't want to leave too. All these people have left. The crowd has left. And look, he said, you don't want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. Do you know why he asked the 12 that? Because they were the only ones left. The crowd saw something difficult. They came to the first difficult, hard place in their walk and they turned around and walked away. But, the, but there's something different about the 12. They're still there. And I love Simon Peter. He remember Simon Peter is the one that found the number 14 and took it to Jesus. He's like, this is not enough food for everybody. Matter of fact, it'll just feed this one kid. But, but I know Jesus can do something with it. It's Simon Peter that answers, Lord, to whom? Shall we go? Now, I want you to understand he's not talking about a place. All the rest of the people, they had somewhere to go back to. They had a destination, a location to go back to. The 12, he says, to whom? Not to where, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. He says this in verse 69. This is where we realize they're in a different spot. They've taken another step forward in their faith. We have come, now understand he's talking about the 12 because he says we, right? He's not say, he didn't say I, he said we. We have come to believe, right? We talked about that last week. That's the first step. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. They're saying this, I have confidence. I have strength. I know in my belief and in my faith, I have strength. Again, two groups of people in this part of the story, the ones that believed only and those that believed and belonged. They had absolutely nowhere else to go. 2005, about 4.30 in the morning, I received a phone call that completely rocked my world. I was asleep, it's 4.30 in the morning, right? It wasn't a hunting day, so I wasn't up. Um, it was a work day, so I was sleeping in. And it's 4.30 and my phone rang. And on the other end of the line, I could see caller ID. It was my brother. I have a sister, older sister, and then my brother, and then me. I'm, I'm the baby. And it's my brother. And the words that came out of his mouth would change me. He said, Isaac, I want you to know, first of all, he's alive. But dad's had a heart attack. And it's a bad one. He said, as a matter of fact, he died on the table and they had to bring, use the paddles to bring him back. They've care flighted him to Fort Worth and all we know now is that they, they're calling him stable. So I say, what hospital? 
he tells me I get off the phone and I call my wife because Shannon's already at work. And, and I'm at home with a two-year-old and a four-year-old, so I can't just jump and run. I can't, I can't do anything. My hands are tied. And I say, Shannon, my dad's had a heart attack. And she goes, what do you want me to do? I said, I don't know. I just want to go. I, I just want to go. She goes, give me a minute. So she hung up, and she called back in just a minute, and she said, my dad's on his way. And so I got off the phone and I, I grabbed some stuff to get ready. And I, I remember standing at the front door. We had a glass front door and I stood at the front door just waiting for my father-in-law to pull up. And he pulled up and I'm, he, he's about halfway in and I'm halfway out. He, he's coming from his truck. I'm headed to my truck. And he stuck his hand out and he shook my hand. And he said these two words, be careful. Because he knew I didn't need a reason to drive fast. And today I had a reason. And he said, be careful. And when I pulled my hand back, there was a wad of cash. I couldn't say anything. So I just nodded my head and I got in my truck and I started driving. You see, I was in San Angelo, which is a four and a half hour drive from Fort Worth. And I remember that was the longest four and a half hours of my life. And when I got to the hospital and I went into ICU, my mom was the only one in there with my dad. And when he saw me, he just started to cry. And he just started apologizing to me, saying, Isaac, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I knew something was wrong. I should have done something. I'm like, Dad, I don't care. I'm just glad you're alive. And I remember when the doctor walked in. And he said, Mr. Denson, there is no scientific or medical reason why you should be alive. In all of my years of doing this, in all of my experience, in all of my study, you should not be here today, but you are. And if you would like to keep the life that you now have, it is going to require some changes. Thus, the reason I went to the hospital the other day. And you remember my doctor said, I wanna recommend some things to you. This doctor told my dad, I'm not recommending you anything. If you wanna keep the life you had, I, there, there's some things that are gonna be required of you. And my dad, took that seriously and he's 74 years old today and I talked to him on the phone this week so oh yeah you can praise God for that but as pointed as I can be I don't want you to miss what I'm about to say to you if you want to live the life that God has created and designed you to live there are some requirements that you have to do. We talked about believing last week, and today you must belong. It is a requirement that you must belong. You say, Isaac, why is this so important? Because when it comes to our faith, belonging builds strength. And we know the further we go in our walk, the more strength we need and belonging builds strength. So now some of you have the question, how do we belong? That's a great question. How do we belong? There's the deal. Churches do it differently. But here at LifePoint, there's two main reasons how you can belong. The first reason is this, join a team. Join a team and serve together. Do you remember in the story that Jesus took the number 14 and fed the 5,000? There were, there were 5,000 people there seeking and sitting when it came time to serve the meal. 
And do you, did you see who did the serving? It was the 12. The 12 took the food that Jesus blessed and served the 5,000. They were the ones at the end of the day that were still with Jesus and still had their faith. Why? Because they served together. It's vital to belong. You got to serve. And here's number two. Second way you can do it is join a group. Again, this is the way we do it at LifePoint. Join a group. This is where we find care. This is where we find growth. This is where we find connection. I want you to think back on the story. The 12 were with Jesus every single step of the way, except for one, when Jesus sent them in the boat and, and he stayed behind. But do you know who the 12 were with every single step of the way? The 12, they were always together, doing life together. And that is how you belong. You get in a group. Now, I'm gonna help you. I want to help you. (laughs) I wanna be your friend because here's the deal. Some of you right now in your mind and in your heart, you're like, I would do that, but. You have a reason why you can't be in a group. You have a reason why you can't join a team. And here's the four top reasons that you would say, reasons why I can't be in a group. Number one. Childcare. If you have children, you understand how difficult it is to find childcare, to afford childcare, all of those things. We understand that as a church, and that's why about six months ago, we started life groups on Sunday mornings. Do you know why? So we can provide you with childcare. We will take your kids, we will love them. These are incredible volunteers and workers that will love on your children and protect them and keep them safe while you grow. So we've taken that one out of your reasons. Number two, time. Some of you say it's just just too much time. Again, that's why we started having groups on Sunday morning. So you can make one drive and kill two birds with one stone. You can get in a group and you can come to services. We're trying to make it as convenient, as easy as possible. Now there's two more. Number three, There's weird people. (laughs) And I know some of you are in a group and you're like, nah, there's no weird people in my group. If you think that, guess who, never mind. You know what I'm saying. (laughs) I wanna give you permission to say these three phrases. I want you to to check out a group and say this, man, these are good people. I, I believe these are God's people, but guess what? They are not my people. That's okay. Try out a group. If it doesn't fit, go find another group. It's okay. Yes, there's gonna be weird people. You're the weird people sometimes. It's okay. Number four, bad experience. Some of you are like, man, Isaac, here's the deal. I've tried that before. I had a really bad experience. I was serving on this team and then for some reason, you know, whatever. I was in this group for some reason whatever. I told you just a few minutes ago, I want to be your friend. But it's funny to me that every person in this room that has ever driven in traffic has been treated poorly in traffic. You've been cut off. You've been honked at. You've been told you're number one, whatever the case may be. And it's funny that you all drove here today. You didn't give up on driving. You've been to a restaurant where your food came out cold or they got your order wrong. You didn't quit eating. 
I think it's just, it, it almost blows my mind how we can give so much grace to every area of our life except the church. We have a bad experience. You're gonna have them. Do you know why you're gonna have them? Because this is a hospital for broken people. Mark said it at the very beginning. We're all messed up and we're all trying to strengthen our faith as we walk along with Jesus and we're gonna make mistakes and we're gonna offend you and we're gonna treat you bad and all of those things. That's not a reason. I think we could put those back up there and instead of reason, we could just put excuses why we don't do these things. Because honestly, that's what they are. Now, I want, I want to celebrate something with you before, we, before we're done. On any given Sunday, all the people that can hear my voice, whether you're in the room or online, 40 to 50% of you are in a group. And that is outstanding. You know why I'm so passionate about it? Because what that means is 50 to 60% of the people in this room are online listening to me right now are one hard moment away from walking away. And I am not okay with that. I want us to strengthen our faith as we continue in this walk. So I want everybody to do me a favor. Everybody get out your phone. I'm not playing. Everybody get out your phone. Look, I'm getting mine out. Get your phone out and go to your camera. And I want you to scan the QR code that's either on the pew in front of you or on the TV. And, and if you don't know how to do it, here's the steps. Somebody will help you, your neighbor will help you. Once you click on that link that pops up, it says this message, advance belong. That's so if you wanna go back and listen to it, notes and stuff. And then the next one says this, join a serve team. If you know where you might be interested, click on that one. Maybe you don't know, they're listed on there. All you have to do is click on it, sign up for one. Someone will contact you this week and say, hey man, we are thrilled that you wanna help us. The next one down says, join a group. If God has convicted you and you're convinced yourself, this is the way I can strengthen my walk so when hard things come, I don't walk away, click on that and there's a list of groups and you can join a group. The next one down says this, register for next class. Mark talks about it at the beginning of the service. If you don't know, you're like, man, I, I don't know where I wanna serve or I don't know what kind of group I wanna get in. Perfect. Next Sunday at five o'clock, we have a class just for you. We will walk you through serving opportunities. We will walk you through different groups. So register, click on that one and register to come and to figure it out. Because I believe with all of my heart, we all wanna be one of the 12. We wanna have strength as we walk this faith. So last week, we said beholding leads to believing. Beholding leads to believing. Beholding focus, spending time with, behold, you will, you will eventually believe. But as we continue in our walk as we advance our faith, belonging builds strength. You gotta belong. You gotta belong to Jesus and to his people. And here's the caveat, you will never have a strong faith until you belong.
It's impossible. It's a requirement. So my challenge to you is to believe and then belong. Would you pray with me today? God, I'm so grateful for who you are. I'm grateful that we had the opportunity, God, to just dive into your word and see what it says and and see what your son said and did throughout his walk on this earth because, God, he's, he's who we follow. And so, God, I just wanna thank you for this opportunity. But, God, I pray that you would put it on our minds and especially on our hearts that this is something that is not recommended, but, God, this is something that is necessary in order to advance our faith. God, no one wants to be stagnant. No one wants to stand still. Until the day you call us home, we want to be moving forward. So God, help us to take the steps necessary to believe and then to belong. God, we're so, so grateful that you're such a good God, that you love us and will walk every step with us. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. I hope today's message was an encouragement to you. And if you'd like a little more information about our church, just visit us on our website at lifepointplano.org.